Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, author of Chicken Factor, Chicken Poop, the national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, Feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All righty, we got a great show lined up for you today. We've got poultry scientist, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. We're going to be discussing internal parasites of poultry as the seasons change, okay? So, again, internal parasites of poultry as the seasons change. So that's going to be today's show. Get that pen and paper out during the first commercial break here, and uh, you'll be wanting to take notes when Dr. McRae comes on. We're also, uh, at the beginning, going to discuss a particular post um, on my professional Facebook page, you can follow us over on our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer. 
and uh, very interesting. And, and you know, we, we've come to be known to call out folks on their shenanigans, if you will. So we, we've done that. I haven't heard back from this young lady yet. I even sent her an email. I uh, tried to reply to her on, on the page, sent her an email, invited her on the show today. Uh, Dr. McRae even said that she would make the eight-hour drive to her home to verify this and to uh, observe this this um, incredible, uh, uh, what am I going to call it, her incredible claim uh, with her backyard chickens. So we're going to talk about that first uh, after the break when we come back. But uh, during the break, get that pen and paper ready because uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back. We take two commercial breaks per show. You know what? That's less than AMFM radio, and that's less than TV. But we've got to do it to show you some uh, information about Backyard Poultry and the sponsors that we've got that bring you this radio show every single week. So um, we'll be back right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Tasty Grubs by Tasty Worms Nutrition are the original dried black soldier fly larvae made right here in the USA. Tasty Grubs are high in protein and calcium, vital nutrients for laying hens. Customers have reported an increase in shell quality, egg taste, and a reduction in molting time. For a limited time, get a bag of Tasty Grubs 100% free. Simply enter tastyworms.com forward slash whisper into your web browser and add one to your cart today. Save 10% on all other products such as dried mealworms by entering the coupon code whisper at checkout. That's tastyworms.com forward slash whisper. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? 
nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with Man. We just got um, done, returned from, and um, got kind of back to norm just about, from our three-week spring 2016 Chicken Whisperer Tour, sponsored by Kalmbach Feeds. Uh, We went through a lot of states, um, but we had events in six states, including, let's see, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New York, and Connecticut. Um, and, um, wow, it was a great three-week trip. We really had a good time. As you know, we travel as a family, a five-year-old, four-year-old, myself, my wife, and we just had a great time. We had great dealers um, that sponsored our event for their customers. Every single dealer signed up to carry Chicken Whisperer magazine in their stores, so they're starting to get out into the stores out there, Um, so pick one up next time you're there. If your particular feed and seed store does not carry Chicken Whisperer magazine, we would love for you to uh, contact us so we can contact them or ask them to contact us so they can carry the magazine in their store uh, for all their customers. It's a great educational tool for their customers when they come in and ask questions. So, um, but, but every single one of them now carry the, the magazine in their store. they got the spring issue currently on the shelf. Um, we had some great times with the kids. We went to a place in New Jersey called Diggerland, which was actually incredible. We've been wanting to go there for a while. The kids are old enough now to actually go and enjoy and, um, you know, to see your six-year-old in a real gavator and working it like a champ. <laughs> I mean, I got video of it. Um, scoop, digging, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, diving, uh, driving the uh, mini dump trucks, driving the mini uh, rollers. Um, it, it was absolutely a great trip. The kids loved it. We loved it. We also got to a first for all of the, everybody in the family, stopped at Niagara Falls. And that was an incredible uh, event as well. And uh, we got to ride. In fact, we were lucky because it was the earliest ever it's opened, uh, the boat ride into the falls called uh, Made of the Mist, I believe it was called. Got video of that. Uh, absolutely amazing. A really great trip. Educational. We also they had a free museum there. Um, I think I forget the name of it, but it's basically the power grid at the dam. Uh, great great free museum and it's really geared towards kids it was perfect so did a lot of homeschool on on this trip had had great turnout at my events had great stores that hosted did a good job promoting the events Uh, it was a great three week tour oh we saw another one of the great lakes marked that off the bucket list we saw lake michigan i believe it was last year on tour this year uh, lake erie so uh went across the erie canal very 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 cool really educational for the kids we love traveling and, um, of course, spreading the chicken love is, is what we're all about. 
but um, we really had a good time. So um, the tour is now over. Uh, it's kind of a little bit time to kind of settle down a little bit, if you will, uh, over the summer and uh, concentrate more uh, on just uh, enjoying life and enjoying the family over the summer. This fall, uh, I believe right now, in lieu of a fall tour, which we've done for the last many years, probably head up, take the RV, and we're going to head up and, and, and do a base camp uh, just outside or in the town where Kalmbach Feeds headquarters is located up in uh, Upper Sandusky, Ohio, for three weeks to a month. And uh, I'll get a little cubicle in there, a little office, and I'll go in uh, my anticipation and, and work with the dealer and the, and the promotions department uh, in developing a really good uh, Chick Days events uh, for 2018. I've got a lot of ideas up my sleeve uh, to, to help the dealers uh, provide a really good uh, Chick Days event as well as educate some of their employees. I know that's a weak link that I hear from a lot of you, our fans, on, on social media and in, in the blogs and forums, the weak link about employees at a lot of these feed stores when it comes to chickens. So I'll be working on uh, uh, maybe developing a video series for them on educating the employees on maybe the uh, top questions they're going to get from you, their customer, to help answer that uh, accurately and, uh, and correctly. So great tour. Good to be back home and um, continue working on the book, the Factor Chicken Poop book. Um, it, uh, it's already, uh, actually, it's, you can pre-order it now, I believe, on Amazon. You can go and take a look at that. And um, which is, it looks like it has a release date. I'm so glad of this, like December 17th. So, so I'm thinking, great for a Christmas gift. And then also I wanted to really make sure it got out before next year, Chick Days events. So uh, we're working on right now. We just sent out to all the, the, the contributors who, are, who make this book what it is. Um, uh, some edited material, they'll be reviewing that, getting that back in. We're kind of grabbing and looking for um, uh, pictures and illustrations and things to, to back up the information. I'll give you a little eye candy in the book, that type of thing. So um, that's coming along very nicely, daily now. That's uh, Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, uh, which the book was inspired by our website, uh, factorchickenpoop.com. And um, so um, really, really looking forward to that. Without further ado, and I told you earlier on when we started the show, we're going to talk about very briefly, very briefly, about a post that was made on our my, on my Facebook page, just Chicken Whisperer, yesterday, and that just kind of uh, blew me away. And of course, <laughs> I had no choice but to bring in the experts and say, "Look at this claim." I'm going to call it a claim. I don't want I don't want to use any uh, bad words. On uh, look at this compost. <laughs> look at this claim from somebody that they wrote. And um, of course, my first contact was Dr. McRae, but uh, I want to uh, email this claim, uh, and I'm sure they hear it all the time at the poultry university, poultry science departments at uh, UGA, Auburn, and um, uh, NC State about this to see if they've ever heard, ever heard of such. Um, but first, I'm going to bring on my good friend, poultry scientist, Dr. Bridget McRae. Thanks for joining us today. We do appreciate it. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm doing good. I can hear you loud and clear. That's always a good thing. Great. I'm kind of in a little a valley right now, so I may break up occasionally just to let our listeners know. But um, okay. yeah, I'm going to go. So I made a post yesterday, just just about you know the chicken herb craze and and some information about that. You know, there's just there's a little bit more involved in in your chicken. I saw benefit. a lot of postings on Pinterest prior to Easter about herbs and chickens. So. 
I think this is a, a social media um, uh, blitz because I haven't seen much as much after Easter. Um, right. Gosh, Andy, wouldn't it be great if we could actually get some research on some of these things and answer people's I questions? I know we're working on that, aren't we? Behind the scenes. Yeah, I hope so. I'm kind of working on that a little bit. So, um, so anyway, it was just about that and, and, and information about, you know, there's a little bit more to it than just sprinkling some oregano you bought at the grocery store on their feet and saying, oh, my chickens are benefiting from oregano, and, and a little bit more science behind it. And you know, just like there's there's a lot more to fermenting poultry feet than just putting some feet in it until water for, for a while. But, you know, we've had an expert come on and share uh, – how to do it right, how to do it wrong, and, and, and the dangers of doing it wrong. Because everything's so simplified online. Oh, fermenting feed does this, that, and the other, and it's so easy. Just fill a bucket full of feed and fill it full of water. So, um, you know, we wanted to address that. Well, I had this young lady in reply, um, Julie uh, Brewer, and this is her comment, folks. Here we go. I'll read it word for word here. We've tried to reach out to Julie both on the page by responding and replying to her comment, and I sent her an email this morning. Uh, through one of her, uh, she, I guess she has a blog, and I uh, contact us. So I sent her an email, invited her on the show today, hadn't heard anything back. Uh, but it says, my chickens get treats every single day. Um, it counts as at least 50% of their diet. Uh, they are all very healthy. They are almost 12 years old and they're all still laying eggs every single day all year long you can't convince me treats are unhealthy so let's, let's analyze well, this kind of first of all <laughs> andy kudos to julie for keeping a flock alive for a dozen years because a lot of people out there don't know that chickens can live that long you're right. I, I share that in all my uh, presentations when we're talking about picking breeds. And I, I use that. I say, you know, you're picking breeds that may be in your backyard for up to a decade or longer. And then we go into the longest living chicken um, that I know of, which was 22 years. Guinness Book of Records here in the U.S. Peter Brown knew of this chicken and the owner. And it died mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. They had to put it down. And it just recently, the last couple of months, uh, Guinness Book of World Records did a, did a, a blast, the email blast. And uh, the other, I guess it's the chicken that took it over 16 years of age uh, just passed within the last uh, couple of months. So kudos for that. So um, she's giving her chickens at least half of their diet every day are treats. Um, and so we know that that's not recommended by anybody on the planet uh, as far as poultry professionals. Then we've got um, they're all very healthy. She doesn't back that with any Oh, frame, Andy, your your reception is getting worse. Oh, okay. Got I don't it. know Hang if anybody just... other other listeners are are having difficulty hearing you. But okay. I just go stand on top of a hill. <laughs> I just the problem for some reason on my phone the uh, Wi-Fi turned on and that and for whenever whenever my Wi-Fi on my phone turns on our reception gets really really bad so I just cut it off again. Okay. I cut it off at the beginning. It must have automatically turned on. It must have picked one up in the area or something and automatically okay. turned on. That is, Problem. you do sound better. Great. Thank you. So we've got 
she feeds uh, treats every single day. In fact, the treats are fit. I said no poultry professional we've ever had on the show or have ever met uh, recommends that. 10% of their daily ration if you choose to give treats. Um, and then she claims that they are all very healthy. And, of course, if she joined us, I would be asking her, as I'm sure you would, if she has any proof of that, if she's ever had her chickens tested for anything, mycoplasma or salmonella, anything, has she, you know, how are they healthy, really? What do you have, you know, how can you prove that? And then uh, they're almost 12 years old, which, again, kudos for that. If, if they are 12 years old, keeping them alive that long, predators and disease and nutrition issues. And then um, they're all, and she didn't say just a few or one or two, this flock, and we don't know how many in her flock, are almost 12 years old, so we'll say they're 11 years old, and they are all still laying eggs every single day. And so that that also is kind of a shocker, um, and, and I'm sure in the scientific world as well, 11-year-old chicken laying every single day, and then uh, and all year long, winter, summer, spring, fall, all year long. And so she's saying we can't convince her that treats are unhealthy. And I will reply to that. We're not trying to convince you of anything. We're just sharing, sharing science-based, fact-based, study-based information. I'm not here to convince anybody of what. This is not about fans. It's about facts and share the right information. So I can sleep at night and so my kids are proud of daddy and um, for doing the right thing. So I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. Hey, if this is working for you, keep and, doing it. I'm not telling you. And anything. Andy, there, I'm sure she's she's probably got a routine established with her birds. Um, if she's had birds for almost 12 years, then she falls under the category of an experienced chicken owner, um, not a newbie getting started, unless she got, you know, inherited somebody else's flock. Um, right. So it, we don't know enough details here, and I always warn people of broad, generalized statements. This could have been someone just response to your posting and what they put out there was just a little bit too broad. And the trouble with, with writing and, and speaking critically is that somebody may take what you've got down there as the gospel truth. And right. it could be that, oh, no, some of her birds slow down in the summer and she can tell that they're molting, but, um, you know, just, just for the sake of writing quickly in a Facebook post, you know, you know, we don't we don't spread misinformation in cooperative extension. We <laughs> spread facts because we want people to benefit from it. And so I always tell people, you know, when when statements are overly broad, be suspicious. You may really, really, really want to believe, but you better really, really, really do your homework. And, and dig deep to find where the facts lie and, you know, due diligence. And it, you know, that's probably what happened here is that somebody was thrilled at, at their routine and what they do and their flock seems to be healthy, but it was just an overly broad statement. Um, you know what I, I, you know, that, we, we've been dealing mind. a lot with that, with our myths, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I think that's that's your theory. My theory on this is that she took offense of me saying, you know, treats should really not be more than 10% of your or, or your flock's uh, total daily consumption and, and diet. I think she took offense to that and then just kind of went out and said, well, take that. And so when, when we challenged her on this, wanting to see proof, 
she obviously hasn't come back to provide any of this. So that tells other readers, I think, exactly what we intended here. Is and you even well, said, maybe hey, she I'll... came down sick and hasn't checked her Facebook in a couple of days. That, yep, I sent her an email too. So um, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt on this one. <laughs> okay, I'm not. <laughs> okay. But, well, well, if we were and, on the same page with everything, Andy, <laughs> it would be ridiculous. I will even pay for your gas. If you go down there and, and observe this, I will pay every penny of the gas it takes for you to get from <laughs> Auburn University down to Florida where she's at and, and back. Are you gas down there and back. I did I, look and, and even... saw that it was an eight-hour drive, and I was like, you know, that's doable. Not in a, that's doable. You know, it's not a day trip by any stretch of the imagination, but it's doable. It's very doable. Okay. Cool. Julie, if well, you're listening, give us a <laughs> um, I know that we were going to talk about internal parasite. So I'm switching gears on you, Andy. Um, one of the things that you've noticed, uh, if you're in probably the lower half of the United States, is that the weather has changed. We are, you know, nice spring weather in some places, and in other places, um, you get some rain, you get some hot. You get some rain, you get some hot, and and um, or sometimes you just get cool and then hot um, as storms move through. In the northern part of this of the country, then they're moving into spring, and you know, some places are not exactly experiencing the same hot, cold, hot, cold cycle as we are um, down here, but we all know it's coming wherever you are. And this is the time of year when, when everyone goes outside and sees the flowers and it's a gorgeously warm day and you take that deep breath and go, oh, I've been waiting for spring. This is also the same kind of um sigh that internal parasites make and they're like oh finally it's spring (laughs) and all those places that they've just been sitting there and hunkering down and waiting for winter to get over with well those internal parasites are parasites of action they don't want to fool around they've been in hibernation or they've just been in suspended weight wherever they are, waiting for an opportunity to take advantage of of these great weather changes. And and honestly, it's when it's cold and wet that you see um, a lot of viral respiratory issues. So wintertime, fall into early spring, wintertime. Um, This time of year, you'll see uh, rises in, in parasite lows because you know, people, you know, their chickens are cooped up. They want to let them out. They go enjoy the garden. But there are risks out there. And since I'm in the education business, I'm going to put my educator hat on, and here we go. There's three kinds of parasites I want to talk about. Can you think of one of them, Andy? Uh, internal parasites? External. Internal parasites, yes. We're doing internal parasites uh, today. Yeah, roundworm. Yep. There's large roundworms and there's small roundworms. Um, there's also sequel worms. So you can split roundworms into three categories. Um, roundworms, 
affect birds, period. Uh, they affect us. Shoot. Um, and there's, there's mostly you're going to find large round, round worms in poultry. They're called ascarids or ascaridia. Ascaridia galli, G-A-L-L-I, is one that is commonly found. Um, and here's the deal. Ascaridia, if you open up a chicken's gut, if you're doing a necropsy of a bird that's died, they're going to look like whitish to kind of off-whitish. They'll be about inch and a half to two inches in length with the the middle being thicker than the ends. The ends look like, um, I'm going to ruin this for everybody. <laughs> if you've ever played with um, dough and rolled it into like a, a breadstick shape, if you don't round out the ends, then you get pointed ends. That's kind of what a roundworm would look. Okay. Um, so sorry to equate it back to food, folks. A lot of these diseases get food names or food similarity descriptions because we can all identify with food. Um, so the large roundworm, it's got skills, man. Um, if you get enough of them, if you've got a severe infestation, these things will actually block the digestive tract. You'll have them in there so thick that food can't even pass through. And what they're doing is they latch on to the lining of the intestine and they are feeding from it and breeding in there. And uh, if you've got enough of them in there, you can't even get food to go through. So no wonder the birds get anemic. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, they're, sometimes they let go in the di digestive tract and they start to get pushed out by the body. But when they get down near the cloaca, which we know is the, the area just inside the vent, if it's a female chicken and the timing is right, sometimes they go, oh, what's over here? They hang a left and go right up the oviduct. Mm. And right now some of you are going, ew, gross. And if the timing is right, like I said, sometimes they'll wander all the way up into the oviduct. And as an egg is forming, it gets shoved in there with everything else. And you'll, you'll, have, oh, you'll have an egg come out fully formed around a yolk, a worm, some albumin. <laughs> and when you go to crack that into your lovely pan of eggs the next morning, you'll go, that's not a chalaza. And you'll probably think it's horribly, horribly gross. It happens. So that's one of the reasons why we recommend that people t check their birds regularly and make sure that they don't have this problem, especially if you are selling your eggs. Because good Lord, you're going to lose a customer if they see something like that. Ugh. Mm -hmm. uh, I've even had instances where I've been teaching a class and the the university, when I was at the other university, cracked open one of the eggs and boom, there it was. We knew those birds had occasionally incidences of large roundworms and there was one right there in the egg and the students just thought it was the coolest thing. 
And we took lots of photos and then threw that egg away because <laughs> nobody wanted to eat it. Rightfully so. Um, in the in the cases of small roundworms, um, they tend to affect different parts of the bird, somewhat outside of the large intestine and the small intestine. Like um, there are species that go after the crop. There are species that actually go into the esophagus and cause the mucous membranes there to become inflamed, angry, thickened. Um, often, if you've got multiple species of birds on your farm, you're going to start to have problems with these small roundworms. Turkeys and game birds are commonly affected by these species. And so what you think might be a respiratory problem, coughing because of the birds, or the birds are shaking their heads, or they're getting anemic, and you think it's large roundworms, it might really be small roundworms. That's where a veterinarian might be able to assist you. Um, sometimes those small roundworms will go into the, the lower intestinal tract, uh, cause erosion of the intestinal lining. Um, and when a bird is heavily infested with any kind of roundworm, they're going to start reducing their growth. They're going to give up egg production. And they're not going to be as fertile. And if it gets bad enough, you can actually get birds that die. So I do recommend that small flock owners pick up their flock members at least once a month. Um, you might have that one squirrely hen that always seems to avoid you, doesn't want to be touched, but for her sake, find out where she roosts, and then maybe once in a month, once a month, go bug her, touch her all over, see if she's losing weight, and um, you know, see if she needs some assistance, or maybe if you need to do an intervention. Um, again, you've heard me talk many times. You can identify uh, these problems either by seeing the worms themselves in the droppings or sometimes you can do a fecal flotation test, but you need a microscope to see these things. And I learned uh, late last year how to do these fecal flotations, and it is, it is awesome. I loved it. It was great. I can't wait to do that kind of stuff here. But there's one more roundworm that I want to talk about, and that's the cecal worm. It's commonly found in chickens, and they're commonly found in the ceca, which is the two blind pouches um, where the small intestine and the large intestine meet each other. It's where extra digestion and some microbes hang out for extra digestion. When you look in the coop in the morning, you're going to see kind of lumpy brownish-green droppings, and then you're going to see slick, slimy, brown, darker brown, almost reddish droppings. Those slicker droppings are called cecal droppings, and they, the chickens will, will um, void those from their body once a day, and it's usually early in the morning. Um, so, And sometimes chickens will actually turn around and eat those droppings because they're getting some of the added nutrients from the extra digestion that takes place in those blind-ended pouches. That's actually an act called coprophagy. It also adds to a life cycle um, for some internal parasites if your birds have them. So let's talk about 
life cycles. There's the direct life cycle where you have the fecal oral transmission route. That's why we Mm -hmm. teach our children, don't touch that. Go wash your hands. (laughs) Or if they, they, um, you know, have just used the bathroom, you teach them, go wash your hands. Because what we're doing is actually breaking that direct life cycle, the fecal-oral transmission route. That's the whole reason why most of the birds in the commercial egg industry are placed into cages because they are removed from their fecal material. They can't turn around and eat their fecal material. And that has driven down the cost of production a great deal because these chickens aren't getting sick. Except for in Europe where they put the birds back on the ground and all these direct life cycle disease organisms are back. And you know, if they're not an organic operation, then they have to start, you know, giving treatment to the birds to deal with some of these life cycle, um, that these organisms with direct life cycles. Mm-hmm. Here's another one, indirect life cycle. This is basically where a bird defecates a parasite egg out of its body, it sits in the feces, and then some creature comes along and picks at that fecal material and eats the egg. That could be an earthworm or a beetle or grasshopper. Um, It's an intermediate host, basically. And that creature becomes infected. This Mm -hmm. is a, a very common thing to see with chicken tapeworms. And then eventually that worm or that uh, beetle or that grasshopper or whatever that intermediate host is gets eaten by another chicken. And that chicken then gets that um, parasite egg to hatch out inside of them and and it grows up and, and that bird is then infected. There are some parasites that have a combination life cycle, they can go direct or they can go indirect. Perfect example is that fecal worm. Mad skills. Hats off to you, worm. You figured (laughs) out that uh, to get through this world, you need more than one strategy. Uh, Another kind of organism that's figured out that, you know, it's not a a one-trick pony is capillaria and then there's also tracheal worms that actually uh, they're kind of y-shaped worms that hang out in the trachea of the bird it's kind of a kind of a small reddish worm and that tracheal worm you know if the bird's coughing a lot or seems to be wheezing you can't tell me that you would know just by looking at that chicken in the face that it's got tracheal worms or a virus or a bacteria. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's something to consider. And even though I have said check your bird's fecal material for the presence of those worm eggs, mm-hmm. there is a period of time between when the chicken eat the worm egg until you actually see worms passed in the droppings or or if the wor- adult worms don't 
pass out into the droppings. Maybe they start producing eggs of their own. It takes time. So that's why I say test your birds regularly. You may, the very first time you test, you may have hit them at a period where, you know, who knows, maybe just the day before they ate the the offending um, intermediate host and you won't see it for five weeks. So mm-hmm. that happens. So let's talk about the large roundworm. That's a perfect example of a direct life cycle. There's that period of time that's five weeks until you start to see adult worms or or eggs in the droppings. And when those eggs get into the digestive tract, they're going to hatch in the proventriculus, the actual acids in there. Um, They're going to kind of tell that egg, oh, hey, okay, perfect environment, time for me to hatch. Or they'll even hatch in in the small intestine, the first loop, the duodenum. Um, There are three larval stages that actually dig into the tissues, and they can cause damage to those tissues. They'll even get into the liver and cause damage. Um, Turkeys are more susceptible than chickens to ascarids. Um, And after the chickens are about three months old, they're fairly resistant to severe cases. Um, But you still can end up with instances where a large enough dose can cause intestinal blockage and a large enough dose of eggs and large enough number of adults get in there, you'll have a problem. And here's the thing. Some of these ascarids can also carry reoviruses. And that may not mean much to um, to folks, but you know, sometimes you may not know what virus is affecting your bird and, and yielding the response. So there you go. Um, let's see. Let's talk about capillary. I kind of only gloss over that one. That's a, that's a thread worm. Um, you'll see a lot of capillary in adult birds, birds that are of breeding age, but also in game birds and like say guinea fowl, quail. Um, there's a couple of different forms. One can affect the actual mouth area, the the esophagus, the crop. Um, but then the rest can kind of hit the small and large intestines. It's also a direct life cycle. It's carried by earthworms. And who doesn't love watching their chickens just run over <laughs> and go crazy eating a bunch of worms that you found underneath a rock that you turned over in your yard? Just know that if you're going to do that, you need to test your birds regularly and take intervention action on their behalf so that they live to a dozen years or more. All right. Again, that's one where you're not going to see any of the adult worms until like three weeks after they eat the earthworms. Um, I did mention tapeworms, and that's one of those indirect life cycles. Um, they can actually be very small. You can't even see them. Um, but then they grow very large, sometimes over 12 inches. And if anybody's ever seen tapeworms with their cats or dogs, they know that these packets come out and the packets actually move. They look about the size of a grain of rice for a small animal, like say a cat or a chicken. Um, 
and you know every day they shed a couple of packets and um tapeworms have hundreds of eggs in each of those little packets so uh you just need to know that the the tapeworms have been able to cross species and when you've got an intermediate host like i said this is one that does the indirect life cycle if you've got an intermediate host um they can include things like ants, beetles, houseflies, slugs, snails, earthworms, termites. Those are all things that we know our chickens will snap at and eat from time to time. Um, you know, most often houseflies, that's one of the reasons why we say keep your fly levels low in your your chicken facilities. Not only do you want to be a good neighbor, but you don't want to invite disease onto your property. And we know that this internal parasite can get there. Free range birds, usually snails and earthworms are your intermediate hosts. Um, really, there aren't any medications um, that are over the counter for you to use against tapeworms. So your best bet is to control the intermediate host. Um, going rogue and, and giving them something that you obtain uh, and using it off-label is actually illegal, so you can't. Um, you need a veterinarian's prescription and, and oversight to see that the uh, the bird is actually being administered the correct dose and, and for the correct treatment period. Um, so, you know, your veterinarian can, can help you in and diagnosing um, the the they can also help you with a prescription so if you bring in a, a tapeworm that you find in the fecal material they may go oh yeah that's tapeworm here you go here's your prescription and you you know if you see it in just one bird you should probably treat everybody because you know depending on where the parasite is in its life cycle everybody may have tapeworms just at varying stages of growth in their body. All right. So another group of, of internal parasites, Andy, can you name another large um, group of parasites that you're familiar with? Tapeworm. Well, that's, that's, the roundworms. That's under the under the um, roundworm class. No, well, that that's not that's we've already talked about tapeworms. We talked about roundworms and tapeworms. What's another big group? Fecal worms for internal parasites. Internal parasites. Hmm. Here's a thing. Tell me. Single cell. Oh yeah, um, protozoa. There you go. <laughs> it's like playing it's like playing avian bull. Okay. <laughs> Single-celled organisms, you can find them just about everywhere. Um you can find them in humans and domestic animals, protozoa, you know, they exist in backyard poultry too. The ones that you've probably heard of are Coccidia, Cryptosporidia, and Histomonas. But most often people have heard of Coccidia. Um, coxy, coccidiosis, these are the terms that people are probably very familiar with. Um, so, let's see. What do you need to know about coccidiosis? These are more species-specific. 
there are species of coccidia, nine of them, that affect chickens, and seven that affect turkeys. Um, so species-specific means that the coccidia that your dog has isn't going to be the same coccidia that your chicken has, and vice versa. They're not going to cross the species barrier. Um, basically, they live and reproduce in the digestive tract where they cause tissue damage. And if the damage is done to the tissue, then you've got tissue that doesn't want to absorb nutrients, that doesn't want to absorb fluids. In fact, in order to flush the organism from the damaged tissues, it may cause diarrhea. Um, depending on the damage or the lesion size, you can actually get a bird that gets some blood loss. So it's a common problem with backyard flock owners. Um, a lot of people, you know, their bird susceptibility is, is greatest when it's younger, and so that's why we feed chickens medicated chick starter because a young bird is much more susceptible than a bird with a fully functioning immune system, a bird that's not naive. And if you have birds that aren't fed medicated chick starter, then hopefully you've given them a live coccidia vaccine at the hatchery. It's called Coxivac. And that's when you wouldn't want to feed a um, Medicaid chick starter because the Coxivac has, it's a live culture. So if you give them a live culture and so you're dosing them with a carefully controlled quantity of coccidiosis so that their immune system kind of recognizes it and goes, oh, I can handle that and mounts an immune response. But if you give them medicated chick starter, then you're killing the vaccine that you just paid for. Bummer. So over time, chickens do develop immunity um, to coccidiosis, uh, common in backyard flocks. Uh, three to six weeks old is when you really need to make sure your birds are prepared, not exposed to adult birds that have had coccidia. Uh, common feature to look for is orange to reddish tinged diarrhea, abnormal feces, but a bird can have coccidia and not have colored feces. Um, they can have normal normal colored feces and still be suffering from coccidia. So if you have ever had it on your property, then you know that your biosecurity is not at a level that, that denies this organism access to your precious flock. And so changes are in order. And it'll be up to you to decide what changes you can manage and what changes you need help with. So and nobody's invincible. Everybody needs help eventually. So don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. Um, here's the kicker. You know how I mentioned, Andy, that there's nine species of coccidia in chickens? Yeah, yeah, we talked about that before. What happens? Um, you could treat for one and get another um, mm -hmm. type. And I know we talked about that. 
oh, well, I'll give apple cider vinegar to prevent uh, coccidiosis, but, you know, nine different types. Um, yeah. Good luck with but, um, if, but they yeah, get, so they, if they get coccidia midis, they are not covered for Tanella, Brunetti, mm-hmm. Maxima, all the other ones. So unless you want your chickens to go through the gut ravager nine times, I would work on my ability to separate my flock from those things that can cause their guts to be swollen unhappy and um, poorly operating. Mm-hmm. Those are all things to consider. Hey, I need to go to commercial break really, really quick. Oh, and then we I lost track of time. Next. Sorry, Andy. Go ahead. <laughs> That's not a problem. This is fascinating and interesting stuff, and people are taking notes, I'm sure, uh, listening and going, oh, don't go to a break. I'm right in the middle of taking my notes. But uh, i got to do it. Again, like I said earlier, only two commercial breaks per hour show. Um, and uh, we're going to do that right now. So stay with us. There'll be more when we return. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting, and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. 
They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Actually, in reality, I am... Super Chicken! How would you like a punch in the beak? This looks like a job for... Super Chicken! You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit! Alrighty, thanks for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Our guest today, Dr. Bridget McRae, we're talking about internal parasites of poultry. As the seasons change, hopefully you've been taking lots of notes. Dr. McCray, you're back live, and we will continue and at the same time wrap it up here in a few minutes. Sure, sure. I've only got one more um, internal parasite that I was going to talk about, but the key here, folks, is pay attention to what is entering your yard. A lot of people will get chickens because they want them to chase down bugs in their garden or they think it's insect control, but you're mm-hmm. not doing your birds any favors if you're not checking their health regularly. If you cut their lives short, it's not very fair to them. And think of a chicken as, as being like a five-year-old. Five-year-olds don't always make great decisions, but you can help them out with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I got one about <laughs> to turn six next month, and I can uh, oh. I can verify I use him when we talk about scratch, scratch being like Skittles, you know. Oh, but my chickens love scratch. And, yeah, well, my six-year-old loves Skittles. That doesn't mean I'm giving it to him every day either. So, um, yes, I I utilize him a lot of times in our (laughs) workshop talking about chickens and exactly. (laughs) Oh, golly. And that's just, you know, if you've got a tapeworm situation, you know, you can find out what species of tapeworm you've got and, the lab will tell you what intermediate hosts are associated with those tapeworm species, and that way you can target those organisms in your yard and and realize that, you know, maybe chasing down a grasshopper and feeding it to my chicken, maybe not. Maybe this is a vet bill I want to avoid in the future. Or I really don't want to have to give my birds medication. Well, then don't give them earthworms. You know, if that's if that's the situation, those are some of the decisions we have to make as the grown ups in the in the room. So I want to arm you with that information. That's a tough one to convey, and I do this in every single workshop, especially when we talk about mice. And I go down the story about oh, you know, many a times a year I'll see somebody on a on a say a chicken forum say, Oh my gosh, I just saw a chicken eat a live mouse and the tail was hanging oh. out of its beak and turned its head back oh. and swallowed it down. You know, is this okay? Because they're not sure. It's the first time they've seen it happen. And then all the chicken Google experts say, oh, yeah, it's free protein. They're omnivores. They eat meat. That's not a problem. Free protein. Hey, that's great. You know, it's natural. It's their natural habitat. And so I, I get that, but, but and it's a hard – so I tell folks, I say, look, you know, you, you just – you're Number not going to be – Number one, why is there a there? 
But, you know, you can't, you know, look, I said, that all may be, be true, but you cannot, um, you, look, you can't stop your chicken. You can't watch them 24 hours a day. They may occasionally eat a mouse when you're not looking or not seeing or whatever. But, on the other hand, that doesn't mean we need to encourage that. And an example of that would be that we've seen this firsthand. Oh, I was out gardening and I, I, I accidentally raked over a big rock and it flipped it over and, and under that rock was an, uh, a mouse nest and there were eight baby mice. So I called my chickens over for a free pro- protein treat. You know, So, so I, I, I try to be realistic about it and say you can't watch them all the time. They may occasionally eat a mouse when you're not even there. But to encourage that behavior, like you're saying, here, here, I just bought you some earthworms from the the bait store, or, or you know that type of thing, or here, here, here's a little, you know, fifty thousand crickets, you know, they're gonna do it, but we just want to maybe not encourage that behavior, like call them over to the mouse nest you just found and have them eat all the baby mice out of that. So it, it is a hard sell sometimes because, I guess, of their natural habitat. A lot of people so, would rather see the chickens do the dirty deed rather than they themselves <laughs> stomp down on those baby mice. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, exactly. So that's part of what's at play, I suspect. Okay, <laughs> so let me let me finish up with the, the fecal worms. Um, okay. I kind of... I, kind of did a glancing blow at this and I, I forgot to mention that the fecal worms um, the, you don't always find them um, in chickens uh, but if you if you do occasionally find them in chickens um, they can carry histomonas meleagritis sorry and that's a protozoan parasite that causes histomoniasis, blackhead. So that ties into the protozoa I was talking about. Blackhead in turkeys is a big problem. Um, they can, turkeys that eat chicken manure that contains uh, fecal worm eggs or earthworms that have eaten chicken manure that contains fecal worm eggs, um, they can get sick. And usually chickens don't come down with histomoniasis. Um, and there have been cases where it's gotten bad enough that even chickens get sick. Um, but, you know, you're going to want to control fecal worms and hopefully control the presence of or absence of histomoniasis on your farm. If you are keeping chickens and turkeys together, this is a risk. If you're going to keep them together, you would better be willing to pay that vet bill, put yourself in quarantine, and, you know, manage the heck out of things when stuff does go wrong. You can't stick your head in the sand and say, la, 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 I've never had a problem. It's your plan when it does. Because these organisms are out there. You may actually have to get a prescription to treat some of these things if they show up in your flock. So who's your veterinarian? Because the Internet is not a veterinarian. The internet doesn't doesn't prescribe and help you treat the problem. It's not an acceptable solution. So you know, find somebody who can assist you, and um, you know, get a plan from them in case things go wrong, and know how to use their services for diagnosis purposes, and use it appropriately. Otherwise, you're feeding your chickens 
to everything out there that would like to munch on them. It's not fair. That's not why we get chickens. We get chickens to get eggs and to have fun with them, not to feed them to the local fox, the local protozoa, (laughs) or the local louse, okay? (laughs) So there is some, some things that we have to manage to make sure our animals take are well taken care of. So I, I think I'll let it be right there for you, Andy. Any questions? Didn't see any, didn't see you posted on Facebook either. And um I appreciate you uh, being here. Yeah, we got it's it's so many, you know, research, research, research. There's so many responsibilities we have as poultry owners and you know, one of the you know, keeping them safe from healthy from infectious poultry diseases, from biosecurity to, you know, protecting our family from diseases you can get from your poultry, which the C D C shares, like with the Salmonella, the protection from predators and um I don't know how much time you spend looking at the, the chicken forums on, on Facebook and whatnot, but there is an unacceptable amount of predator attacks that occur every year in the backyard poultry world. It's just unacceptable. And and we can debate this until we're blue in the face all day long. Uh, we'll, we'll debate it for six hours. And then it all comes back down to whether you like it or not, um, Research. You didn't do the proper research, and you didn't spend the money necessary to protect them from predators. Now, I'm not talking about a grizzly bear. You know, a grizzly bear can rip a door off of a one-pun truck. We we see the in our video of that. But I'm, I mean, I'm talking about the number of predator attacks out there that you see. They're posted from raccoons and possums or the neighbor dog or whatever that that are 100%. Um, you know, pre- preventable if again you do the research and you spend the money. And people don't like people don't like to hear that. I know we're on, on a budget; we have a budget to work with. But wait till next year and save your pennies. Um, but but you just didn't, and why? How does it? Why does it cost so much extra money? Well, instead of getting a four foot fence and, and just setting it on the ground upright, you're going to have to spend more money and buy a six foot fence and bury it two feet deep. Then you're going to have to rent right. a ditch witch to dig a hole. So so and, and people always get mad at me when I say that. Hey, research and money. At the end of the day. Um, they get mad, and um, you know, we get, nothing's 100%. I, I, can, I can kind of agree with that, but at the same time, these attacks that people are posting about it, it's happening. Wait. Diligence. Right, right. And, um, and then I see, Doc, that people will focus on the, ra- on the, on the predator. Oh, is the, what, uh, it was a raccoon. Can I kill it? Uh, am I allowed to kill it? Is it against the law to kill it? Will someone trap it? If I kill it, what do I do with it? If I trap it, what do I do with it? They all focus on this predator. And I'm like, you know, that's just one raccoon. There's 400 others in the woods. Why don't you focus rather on how it got in and prevent it from happening again? And it doesn't matter if there's one or 400 out there. They still can't get your chickens. Um, and, uh, and that's, 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 that's something the they can see, too. They can't see bacteria and protozoa. Yep, there you go. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is an awesome show, and I'm sure lots of folks will benefit from it. We'll see you back here in a couple of weeks for another great show. And you take care. Thanks, Andy. Bye-bye. Thank you for coming on the show again. Bye-bye. That's, again, uh, poultry scientist Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., and uh, works with Extension at uh, Auburn University. And um great friend of mine as well, co-author of uh, my first book, um, The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, which is now available for pre-order for the second edition, uh, revised uh, and um, new and revised uh, and expanded. You can find that at um, Amazon. And actually, you can pre-order my second book. coming out in December, Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, where we utilize folks just like Dr. McRae, Dr. Patiski, um, and Dr. Megan Nichols and, and uh, Dr. Um, R- Ronette um, at, um, and just 
hey, taking this bad information that people are just spreading viral on the Internet and sending it to them as a chicken fact or as a chicken poop. In fact, I've got to go and make a phone call about the book right now to my publisher. And so I'm going to go do that, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, we will see you next Thursday right here on Blog Talk Radio, 2 p.m. So uh, take care and God bless. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.